0: And answers. Do you have a 401k or maybe what you have left is only 1k regardless of how much you may have placing your savings in the proper fund will assist you later on in years to come but how do we know what investments are wise to consider You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on Evidence and Answers, Pat will interview Mark Okada of our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management. Mark has many years of experience as a financial advisor, so he'll be sharing directly from his heart and his personal experience. If you're unable to hear this entire broadcast, All of our messages are available on our website, that's evidenceandanswers.org. Listen now as Pat interviews Mark Okada in part one of Wise Investing in Turbulent Times.
1: You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to the issues of today. Well, today we're talking about money. What does money have to do with my Christian faith? Well, Jesus spoke more about money than he did about heaven or hell. How we handle our finances tells us a lot about our walk with God and our spiritual health. So for this reason today, we are addressing the issue of investing and financial stewardship. And to help us understand how to be wise investors and stewards of the resources God has given us is Mark Okada. Mark is the co-founder and chief investment officer of Highland Capital Management, the Dallas-based investment advisor, with 18 billion in assets under management. Highland Capital is one of the largest and most experienced global alternative credit and equity managers and has been instrumental in providing alternative investment solutions for over 20 years. You may recognize his name. He's been in a lot of business magazines and interviewed on MSNBC and other business shows. And Highland Capital is the sponsor for Evidence and Answers and has been for many years. So Mark, Welcome back to Evidence and Answers. Pat, it's great
2: to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: You know, Mark, a lot of people see wealth or investment as unspiritual, but money management is a spiritual thing. It's part of our Christian walk with God, being good stewards of what God has given us, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. I mean, if you look in the Bible, there's a lot of places where it talks about wealth. I have verse taped up to my computer here in the office in Proverbs 1 and 2, 4, which says, Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. And that, those riches are, are certainly worldly wealth. God does tell us that, that we're going to have our, uh, give us His our daily bread, right? So, so there is context that God will provide for us in this world, except that we are, we are following Him.
1: Yes, you know, and wealth is not a sign of being unspiritual. First Timothy 610 says for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So money is not evil. It's the love of money, our attitude towards it. That's key here. Absolutely. And that love of money is is certainly a, a very tempting siren
2: call. It's the soup that we live in. It surrounds us all day, not just in Wall Street, but it's everywhere. You turn on the TV, you open up a magazine, you're surrounded by this context. And I think all of us are going to be influenced by that. And the world wants us to love money and wants us to serve it, right? That certainly is not the reality of what the Christian life is all about.
1: Yeah, so Mark, you know, outline for us the steps to wise financial management. I've been doing this for
2: a long time and i made a lot of mistakes. There is, I think, a level of competency that is required to manage capital, just like in any other industry. There's specialized knowledge that's needed to be a good investor. And I think one of the things that I've certainly seen over time, this need to really seek out that advice and seek out people that are experts in the space. But there's some basic steps that I would tell your listeners to think about. And first of all, I, I would say you have to have a goal in mind. You have to understand that your savings or your retirement have a purpose. We're not just saving for the purpose of having some sort of financial security, but we're, we're saving to be good stewards of the resources that God brings our way to treat them with care and to be wise with them. So it's not about accumulating the, the most amount of, of wealth that you can. That could be an outcome of being a a good steward and being a wise steward with your capital. And I think that certainly is, is something that I've seen over time for those who apply good Christian principles to the way they invest. But I think our goal, again, is to be good stewards, to really be, I think, honest about who's in control and why God provides material wealth for us. And that's to serve as a means to expand the kingdom, to share the gospel those sorts of things, but it is not to be, you know, just to get rich. And certainly that, or to be a source of security in the world to say, you know, I have all of this savings in my savings accounts and therefore, you know, I'm, I'm good. Everything's good. My life is great. Those are not the goals of Christian investing. And so I, I think starting out with that that right set of goal they one, is, is very important. But number two is there are certainly some principles that I think Christians can apply to their investing that really can help them avoid a lot of the pitfalls that I see that investors make. We were speaking on an earlier show about fear and greed, and certainly I see a lot of that in the way that individual investors invest. They they're too emotional in the way they want to put money to work in the market. They usually are much more driven by by greed. They I can't tell you how many people come to me and said, you know, I want to buy this stock and, you know, I want to put half my life savings into it because, you know, a buddy told me that this company is going to do this and I'm going to have that and blah, blah, blah. And they haven't done any of their homework. All they focus on the upside. They don't understand any of the downside and they put way too much capital into one stock. That's just a recipe for disaster. If you think about, let's say you have a job and you make $50,000 a year and you manage to save 10% of that, that's $5,000. And you can lose, you put it all in in one stock or two stocks or three stocks, you can lose half of that in a day or two. And stock can be that volatile. That's a lot of risk. And that means that you can lose six months of savings in, in a couple of days. That's not appropriate sort of risk management. And it comes down to really thinking about how are you going to manage that capital and be a steward of it and not be driven by you know, the emotions of fear and greed? So it's just like anything. You you have to be wise, you have to be disciplined and have a the right goal. But you know, I see so much of this emotional application to how people want to invest and it causes them to be, they want to buy things when they're going up and they want to sell things when they're going down. That's the emotional dynamic of fear and greed within investments, and that's usually the opposite of what you should be doing. When the markets are down a lot, those are the best times to be buying in general. And when the markets are up a lot at, at times and you have more downside than upside probably a good time to take some chips off the table so you can see how this emotional dynamic is really a a big detriment to long-term capital preservation and i think we as christians are called to be good stewards and that means being competent. that means paying attention to the details and the data and the information that is as opposed to the emotions of the situation
1: yeah, Mark, you talked about some of the common mistakes investors make investing emotionally, you mentioned is one. What are some other common mistakes that investors typically make?
2: Investors can be, I think they can have the wrong sort of perspective about short-term versus long-term returns. You know, the markets are incredibly efficient. There are millions of different players in the market. They all have different information. And it's really an information game, right? That's what drives different securities is when information, new information surfaces, a stock will move up and down, a bond will move up and down. And that information is constantly changing and, and in different hands and in different players. And, and believing that you can consistently know enough to be able to beat all of those other players that have all the information is really a fool's game. It, it's really impossible to do. And so, I think with that as a, as a backdrop about how the markets work, there needs to be a different sort of perspective on short-term versus long-term. Because in the short-term, you may be able to be very successful and make a lot of money over a very short period of time. But that usually never lasts. The markets are too efficient for that. So I think what happens is is people tend to get too confident in, let's say, a few stocks and they're up a lot and they get carried away from that and they don't understand the downside. And and that short-term sort of perspective really ruins your long-term view. I mean, if you remember the dot-com bubble and all those internet stocks that everyone was chasing and making a lot of money in a very short period of time and then when that all blew up, boy, a lot of people got burned and lost a lot of money. So having that sort of perspective, a longer-term perspective, versus a short-term perspective is a common mistake that I see all investors making. But we as Christians, right, we should have that long-term perspective. You know, our father owns a cow on a thousand hills. We serve the one who has no scarcity. And so, and, and we know where we're going when we pass away, that you know, that this is, uh, if anybody should have a long-term pers- perspective, it should be us, right, Pat?
1: Yeah, when you say long-term, I mean, what do you mean by that? Over 10 years, or what are we talking about when we say short-term versus long-term?
2: So if you, and it depends on, on how old you are. And so we talk about this in the context of risk management. Most of the people I talk to, they want to talk about opportunities or upside. And I tell them that I spend maybe 90% of my day understanding risk because it's really more about understanding risk and what risks are appropriate for what types of investors or what types of capital. So for example, let's say you are... a a brand new kid out of college, and you've got a brand new job, and you're 24 years old, you have your whole world ahead of you. You're going to have a lot of time. That long-term perspective for you is 20, 30, 40 years. It's a long period of time. so You can actually take a lot more risk as a young person. You can have a portfolio that is that is more skewed toward risk assets like equities versus bonds. And you can have a longer time to be in the market to kind of compound that return over a longer period of time. So understanding that perspective is more a function of, you know, kind of your age and and your risk tolerance. So as you get older like me and Getting pretty old, fewer working years ahead of me. I can afford less and less to make big mistakes in the portfolio. So my risk management needs to reflect that time period that's shorter. And those are some basic principles of understanding, you know, what is long term for different types of investors, and how does that impact their ability to take risk? As you get older, and as your time in the marketplace and your earning years reduces, your ability to take risk reduces. And so those portfolio shifts over time will shift less, from less and less to the equities and more and more into the fixed income, municipal bonds, treasuries, those sorts of things. I mean, these, these are some basic principles I think that everyone can apply, but underlying all of them is this idea of consistency. I counsel a lot of investors that they need to be consistent. They need to have a plan. And so, one of the great things I think that everyone can do that's working is, is take advantage of your 401k plan at work or whatever your company savings plan is and stick with it. Put some, you know, tell them you're going to put a certain percentage of your paycheck in it every month and leave it there. Let it stay there. That, that will force you to be a good long term investor. You're going to be buying. Into the market no matter what it's doing whether it's up or down and studies have shown that that really is one of the best ways to make long-term good returns is to be a consistent investor
1: there seems to be a biblical wisdom there proverbs 13 verse 11 says dishonest money dwindles away but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow we need to avoid that temptation of you know that one investment that makes that big money and hoping for that and building on that instead like you're saying being consistent and investing consistently with a goal in mind seems to be the biblical principle here
2: you can see it in how some of the really large ultra-large pension funds and endowments work they have tools where They will trim their winners and add to their losers. They do a really good job of making sure they have good professional money managers that are managing their capital. But when a manager is on a really big hot streak and he's doing great, they'll tend to take money from him and give it to the managers that aren't doing so well. Because over time, what's shown is that we have this thing called mean reversion, and those other managers that aren't doing so well, they're just having a tough time. If they're still good managers, they usually come back That's a great way that I think some of the big boys in our space really apply this idea of being consistent and being long-term. You're going to be trimming your winners and adding to your losers, which is not something that most people will normally do in the marketplace. They don't have the discipline to do that. They want to add to their winners and run from their losers, which at times can be the right thing to do. But studies have shown over time that it's usually just the opposite.
1: Yeah, that's a principle of what, diversification, I think? Is that what you're talking about?
2: It's mean reversion. So when something is up a lot, it tends to be, you know, can can overshoot, markets can overshoot on both directions. And so by trimming those gains and rolling into losers, you're you're going to be participating in that mean reversion within your portfolio. And I, I think it comes to another very important point that I want to make sure I make here. This is just like any other industry there's a lot of specialized knowledge that investment professionals have and i always counsel people go find a registered investment advisor an ria these people are registered with the sec and there's some very important dynamics of that registration they sign up to be fiduciaries And that fiduciary dynamic means that they have to put your interests ahead of their own. One of the great tenets of trust is this idea of alignment of interests. And one of the downfalls that I see in our business at times is sometimes your advisor may not have your best interests at heart. If they're not registered, they certainly don't even have to be a fiduciary. They don't have to put your interests first. And that means that they're unaligned with you and you shouldn't trust them. So finding a good registered investment advisor who's registered with SEC and has a fiduciary obligation is a great place to start. And it's recognizing that there are specialized skills that people know. You wouldn't operate on yourself. <laughs> you wouldn't try to do your own dental work. I don't know why everyone thinks that they can do their own money management. It is certainly a very difficult and very large job. It, it takes a lot of specialists that, to do very uh, a good job over time. And so I really advise people to seek professional help with their retirement, with their savings, not just because I'm in the business of doing that, but mainly because I, I think that there is a lot of specialized knowledge that you can benefit from hiring a, a good RIA, but make sure that they're registered, make sure they're a good fiduciary and they're putting your interest ahead of their own.
1: Yeah. I think Mark, there's a popularity now with a lot of programs out there that you can get. You know, I see a lot of infomercials and things on the internet and seminars that I've been to where they show these charts and simple programs where you can analyze stocks and invest in stocks I went to one where a lot of promises were made you know people were on stage (laughs) saying you know I had a simple teacher's salary and I knew I couldn't make it so I bought this program and now I'm a millionaire you know and if you would invest five thousand in it you can get this program too, and all of that and there's a great temptation out there to do it on your own with the help of some of these programs out there.
2: Proverbs 11:18 says the wicked person earns deceptive wages, but the one who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. That sort of get rich quick or I got rich, so let me show you how to get rich is such an awful thing that I see in our industry and it is deceptive. It's very deceptive because there's no basis in reality for that. There is no sure formula for making money. There is only really the idea of trusting the Lord, of doing the right thing, of being honest. And again, I think we started out with kind of what is your goal? Our goal is to be kingdom minded and to be disciples of Christ and to love others. And if we can do that with our with our savings, or with our capital, irregardless of what the returns look like, I think we've come a long way to really loving our neighbor and showing them the love of Christ. Again, the goal here is not to get rich. Anytime you're faced with someone who is telling you how to do that, I think you should be skeptical. I think the idea of alignment and competency and really the reason why they're in the business shouldn't be staring you in the face and telling you maybe there's some basic reasons why I shouldn't trust this person. The idea of competency and being good at what we do would tell you that you shouldn't actually approach anyone with with that kind of mentality because it's not true. You couldn't ever guarantee someone that they are going to be wealthy. It's a false premise to begin with. It isn't part of the competency that I
1: think that we're called to as Christians. Yeah, Mark, you know, a question that I get asked quite often is where do we draw the line between investing and gambling?
2: Yeah, well, I was thinking about this the other day when I was thinking about the world of fantasy sports <laughs> which is maybe another topic for another show. But I was wondering what's the difference between Wall Street and fantasy sports? Aren't you just like picking one winner versus the other and it's all random and then you end up, you know, like gambling and making money. And there are a lot of people that are debating this topic back and forth. And in fact I, I'm sure you have an opinion and that maybe at another time you and I can talk about that. But I think one of the realities of Wall Street and finance is that We're actually providing capital from savers to those who are borrowers or want to use that capital. So there is something very vital to the U.S. economy and the growth of our economy and the the vitality of our economy that capital and Wall Street and financing is providing. There is a real activity when a company, IPOs, are providing capital for the growth of that company to provide that service for others to provide jobs there is a real activity that is not just speculation it's providing finances getting returns for people saving and investing those returns into the, the economy of the US so there is a massive difference between finance and gambling and that is that you know we are providing a, a true service to the U.S. economy, and I think a very noble one. You know, there are those that have savings; they will get a return for those savings. And those who need savings, borrowers, to grow their business, they're going to be, you know, paying for those savings in the form of loans or stocks or bonds. And that capital markets activity is a great one. It's a, it's a very good one that the U.S. capital markets provide to our economy. It's why the U.S. economy is the strongest in the world because we have a very safe and regulated capital market
1: now mark one of the things I advise people before they invest is that before you invest I tell them to try your best to get out of debt I think the Bible speaks against debt Proverbs 22 7 the rich rules over the poor the borrower is slave of the lender And so I think the Bible gives a lot of warning against debt. But it seems like our economy seems to be built on that, you know, with credit cards and the amount of debt people are in. What's your advice towards debt and and loans? Well, this could be a whole show, Pat. It is something that we deal with every day. I mean, I'm a credit
2: investor. One of the things that I'm trying to do is handicap how credit is working to the economy one of the realities of what's happening today is the Fed's balance sheet is over $2 trillion. Our our government has a huge amount of debt. And so I think if your perspective is that debt is evil, then you have to connect the dots and say that our economy is evil. I I don't think that's the case. I I think that there's a certain amount of debt that you can handle. And once you get beyond that, it's really a problem. And it changes that dynamic. You become the slave to the debtor. And so you know, I counsel people that it has some material downside to it. If you can't pay it back, you end up in bankruptcy or you're you going to have some real problems. And what most people do is they borrow too much. But borrowing for things that are for assets that are productive, like a car loan, for example, is it could be a very good debt. It can help you get a job and go to your job and have a productive living. And certainly that can be a, a very good reason to have debt. A debt for a house can be a good thing. I mean, Certainly went we went through the housing crisis, and that debt looked very bad, but in the long term scheme of things, houses have been a good store of value, and as long as we don't borrow too much and we live within our means, that house can be a great store of value for family and a great savings tool. There is a tax code that does give us some benefits for mortgage interest deductions. that is a smart thing for investors to be doing. so I think you have to you have to look at debt in the context of whether uh, you're being a wise steward. If you were borrowing on credit cards to have a a lifestyle that you can't afford and you're paying that 18%, that's certainly a crazy way to to manage your finances.
0: Thank you for joining us here on Evidence & Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you find this broadcast to be of a great value to you, would you please consider partnering with us? Evidence and Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles, additional audio, and Pat's books. So be sure to share our website, with your family, your friends, and, of course, your church. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. They've been in business for over 20 years. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope right here on Evidence and Answers i yeah.